0: (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, our first guest tonight, joining us all the way from Canuckistan, Stefan Molyneux, founder and host of freedomainradio.com, the largest philosophy conversation in the world. How many hundreds of millions of, of downloads? I don't know. 12 million plus something views on his YouTube channel, and I gotta say, you know, I, I put out a lot of cheap shit, and I'm, I'm getting I'm, I'm, I'm almost creeping up on those numbers, but there's something about those views for Stefan Molyneux, I've said it once, I'll say it again a lot of those for the, the incredible videos that he has put out, laying out how the state relates to the individual, how the state came to be, how we are moving past it, each one of those represents an incredible life-changing epiphany for someone in their process of coming to the truth, the philosophy. Uh, he's, he's the author of a number of books, all of which I can say, you're like you're like the only author with multiple books. I can be like, yeah, I've read all of those. But to be honest, I haven't read a single one because I'm way too lazy. But I've listened to all of them. <laughs> I've listened. I've listened. Wait, come on. Come on. give it. Come on. Give me more. credit. I've listened to everyone. They're available for free because he doesn't believe in intellectual property. The scam, I should say, that is intellectual property and And we are grateful now that we have decent microphones in the studio. We are worthy of his presence here in this room that looks like a a grow room, had a love child with a spaceship. And Stefan, welcome to the bridge. It is an honor to have you on on this night of all occasions, not just Guy Fawkes Day, but election eve and a third and fourth party debate.
1: Well, thank thank you, you, I always like getting those kinds of introductions, you know, every word he says is a life-changing epiphany, 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 because it's like, well, no pressure, Uh, (laughs) and just, you know, just showing up to chat and change everybody's (laughs) spiritual course for all eternity. So, thank you for the invitation, it's a real pleasure, and congratulations on the new show and the new format.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you, it's really exciting to be building out, and you're you're a huge inspiration in that, and, and seeing everything that you've done. We've got a lot of people join us tonight in the studio because we've got the uh, the third party debate tonight. We're really excited to see Jill Stein score off with Gary Johnson. But uh, you know, I got to ask you a more much more important question, sir. Uh, who are you going to be voting for tomorrow? <laughs>
1: uh, I am going to be voting for sitting on the couch, probably dusting off some potato chips and having a nap to reading some Charles Dickens. That's going to be my vote uh, for probably a half hour to 45 minutes of me time rather than a half hour and 45 minutes of driving into the rain time to do absolutely nothing but continue to pump up the volume of the uh, squawk box of interstellar um, hypocrisy and democracy uh, known as the modern state. So uh, I suggest to everyone uh, stay home, uh, vote for nobody by doing nothing and that's doing quite something uh, considerable
0: well i don't know if you got what exactly what i was insinuating there because i did point out that you're in canada right now and that being the case you would be like an extreme version of the nerdy kid from the breakfast club getting a fake id that said he was like 80 something years old just so he could vote you would be crossing the border breaking into the united states in order to, to vote in our election, but I don't think that's exactly something that Canadians are too interested in.
1: No, I mean, we face the same nonsense up here. Um, it's... Um... Uh, You know, draw the muskrats out of their holes so the predators can strike. Get enough people to say that they want to get involved in the system and and believe that they can do something to change the system by voting. And uh, lo and behold, the system remains and becomes, and is sustained, is magically justified. So don't participate in the magical ritual and uh, keep your integrity clear of that
0: swamp pit. Well, we're talking about you being based out of Canada. You do spend a lot of attention on... The American political system and the American political process, and I know I know you're keeping up with things here. But why is it that if if you're not an American, you should have an investment in in paying attention? Obviously, you're able to to wake up a lot of people here, and you've found an incredible audience of people because you know, especially under the uh, uh, you know the the uh, alleged rubric of American values, the message of, of liberty is very appealing. But why why would people around the world have a special interest in the American political process?
1: Well, um, you, uh... Uh, you know, it's like at the beginning of the of the, the good Star Wars film, the 1977 one, the first one. You know, the opening scene where there's that tiny little spaceship that's rocketing across the top of that planet, and then you go, "Wow, that's a pretty cool looking spaceship. It looks pretty big, right?" And then it pulls back, and there's this you know unbelievable star destroyer, you know, big pizza slice of high tech that's shooting away at it, and uh, it's really like the rest of the world is looking at you all because you're like the Death Star, and we're all Aldebaran. and so we do kind of track the Death Star when it's floating around. It's like, where is that moon right now? Is it gearing up? Is it is it using up any more particular power? Are there any laser glints coming off it? So, you know, where if you're looking across the the, um, the bush in Africa and you think you see a tiger, well, you're going to spend quite a bit of time focusing on that area of your vision where you think a tiger might be, because uh, otherwise you might end up, uh, you know, headless. And so the fact that, of course, the U.S. has, what, nearly 800 military bases, uh, is the biggest military uh, spender uh, by the rest of the world combined, uh, has a kind of hair trigger habit of bringing down drone strikes and uh, leaving smoking craters where families used to be so so yeah we, we pay a certain amount of attention to the u s because uh, it's it's scary and dangerous so it's it's worth paying attention to i think
0: so are you are you at the point where you're handicapping the u s election do you have a, a take on who's going to win tomorrow
1: well i I thought originally it was going to be Obama I think I, th- I still think it will be Obama uh, simply because the public sector unions are in such desperate straits when it comes to having any kind of cash to pay off the pensions of the people who are retiring that they're just pouring unbelievable amounts of money. And, of course, they can get people out. They've got social pressure, ostracism, bullying, uh, scare tactics, you know, fright clubs and all that. So I think that the public sector unions uh, need Obama in for another four years just so they can continue to pick clean the few uh, bits of flesh left on the carcass of the unborn of the next generation. So I think think that Obama has that, uh, quote, going for him uh, and uh, I think that's going to take a lot uh, a lot out of it. The Republicans have lost, I think, any kind of credibility when it comes to small government. I mean, what was their reaction to Sandy? Free gas! <laughs> you know, price controls. I mean, it's all just knee-jerk socialistic uh, nonsense. I mean, what is called on the right now is on the right, like on two issues, and uh, 98 of the rest are, are completely on the left. So I don't think there's enough of a differentiator for people to go out and vote Romney, unless they just believe that, you know, adjectives of truth, and I shout, hey, and suddenly i've got an afro so i think that there's not going to be uh, there's not going to be enough of a differentiator and so people are generally going to lean left which is where everyone is anyway and if you're going to go left and if the public sector unions and all the other unions are uh, keen on, uh, uh, on Obama, which of course they are, like 98% of, of the um, public sector money goes to Obama, then they're just going to fund and, and get people out and drive you know, uh, half-blind, half-ancient people out to scratch something next to Obama's name. And I think that he's going to get in by a narrow margin and um, you, know, you could argue that that's actually a fairly good thing.
0: Well, i, I got to be honest, I've been kind of surprised that it, it, the public conversation has turned out so negatively for Obama in the last month with uh, with, with the... Obviously, most voters don't know where Benghazi is and don't care. And but that was was definitely a, a, a wave of bad PR for the Obama administration. And then the hurricane. I don't think that's helped. But you're saying that the the dependency and the ability of unions to come out will outweigh the enthusiasm gap, as it's referred to, with the, with what we're seeing that Republican voters have a lot more. You know, and that's that's one of the things that's statistically measurable. But you know, all of, all of this is kind of uh, less relevant than, than what we see as the policy affects us and what what I'm surprised and, and and then as much as I want to say like well of course it's going for Romney because of all the the, the, the broader economic dynamics and, and and this kind of thing that if Obama hasn't started a war, it must mean he's pretty confident in that he you know that he's going to be reelected right that he hasn't tried something really fucking crazy that he's not, you know like because that's that's like I mean that that, that was what Bush did right? You that's know, the M.O. Th- that's that's, our MO. that's yeah. the M.O. Yeah, You're in trouble electorally. Start a war, get the rally around the leader effect. Yeah. Allie, do, do we have any questions from the chat for Stefan here? Well, I think a lot of people in our uh, chat are just getting to learn who you are, Stefan, so that's pretty exciting to see the two worlds uh, come together. Um, I can't find any specific <laughs> questions right now. Maybe you should stop and explain why you would re- uh, re- recommend that people don't vote tomorrow.
1: Well, I mean, it's kind of humiliating to beg for something you're never going to get. You know, uh, the the politicians are never going to care about any particular individual. Of course, statistically, it's completely meaningless and you're not going to affect anything whatsoever, except you're going to have this unclean sort of dog crap smell on your fingers for a couple of weeks that no amount of moral scrubbing is going to take off. They, they don't listen to you. They don't respond to you. Um, uh, it is a, a, a sucker's game to get you to come in to validate the system, uh, to validate what it is. You choose the lesser of two evils, and let's say you, you, you just think Obama is like 98% evil and, and Romney is 97% evil. Well, Romney doesn't know that. I mean, he, all he knows is you, got a, you gave him a vote. He might you know He's going to assume that you think he's 100% good. You don't get to say well, I hate both of these guys, but this is the guy I hate least. Uh, so it's it's a positive action. You are endorsing. You are endorsing a candidate. You are endorsing a system. Uh, you are endorsing a whole political process. And dear God in heaven, we claim to be empiricists. We claim to be historically interested and accurate. We have been trying as a movement since the mid-18th freaking century to control the size and growth and power of the state through participation in the political process. Can we get our heads out of our asses long enough to take a big, broad, broad, spectrum high space, deep space, deep nine side of the moon. Look at the whole pattern and recognize that ever since we have been trying to control the government using the government, from uh, the 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 Corn Wars, uh, the the uh, the Corn Laws, from the the uh, the free trade movements of the 18th century, uh, from the founding of the American Republic, we've been trying to rein in this beast using this beast's own tail, and it never works. And the government keeps getting bigger. In the 40 years since the founding of the. Um, American uh, Libertarian Party, the government has grown about six to eight times it's in in size, not necessarily even counting all of the accumulated debt and the deficits. Are you sure
0: you want to blame the Libertarian Party for that?
1: I'm not blaming it. I'm not saying that it's entirely (laughs) causal, although, uh, of course, what happens is if if you have something that doesn't work and you don't know it, you stop looking for other things. right? So if you're confidently going through the woods saying, I know North is where the town is, and North is actually where the desert is, then you are in big trouble because you're confidently striding off in direction in the direction of wrongness. And so I really strongly urge people, let's stop assuming that it's politics and education. That's all you ever hear from libertarians for the most part. Well, you see, we get involved in the political uh, process. Now, we know we're not going to get anyone in to power, but we're going to educate people about what libertarianism is. Education ain't going to do it. Politics ain't going to do it. We know education ain't going to do it because I know of at least 40 or 50 hardcore, free market PhD economists who have pretty much government-controlled, government-managed, government-unionized, protected, and tenured positions. So even if we got everyone a PhD in free market economics, we still couldn't get them to take their noses out of the status trough. So educating people is not going to get them to stop wanting government. They sent all the Tea Party. All the Tea Partiers went to Washington with that coke-infused small government money, and what did they do? Stuck their nose in the trough uh, pretty much balls deep as soon as they got there. And uh, nobody's been able to get them out since. So let's just recognize it is balls it deep in
0: the trough the did, was that was I'm that sorry? did you do was that a balls deep in the trough
1: yeah it means so they put their head in the trough and they pretty much go to their waist uh into the trough they just leave enough of their feet out that they can be pulled out uh to go out and re-elect so they can go back in.
0: <laughs> okay just checking stefan waller does not mix metaphors ladies and gentlemen <laughs>
1: no I, I really just said so that i totally not totally
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right so we have we have the third party debate tonight stefan um stefan we've got gary johnson jill signed the green party what do you think is the significance of this particular conversation what does it represent boy uh <laughs> i
1: don't uh, um you know it gives it gives people a chance to um uh, analyze things that are never going to be achieved. It gives people a chance to laugh at ludicrous theories. It it gives people a chance to um, uh, you know to to pretend that they're praying to Thor and achieving human freedom.
0: What, which, what what are some of those ludicrous theories?
1: Well, okay. Doesn't the uh, the Green Lady uh, wants to um, to have? A, she has a platform where she's going to provide a job to every able bodied American. Mm-hmm. Um. Unless she has an enormously big garden that needs weeding, I don't really know how she's going to do that, except by using force or printing money or borrowing. So this is a completely fascistic uh, state of affairs. I believe that Gary Johnson, uh, who, you know, in many ways, of course, is more libertarian even than Ron Paul, uh, he wants to, what is it, a t- up to a 23% sales tax to replace all the other taxes that go on. Okay.
0: Um, uh, wait, 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 that's interesting. Hold on. More, more libertarian than Ron Paul. I, you got to define libertarian and then, and then justify that, because I think most people in the movement certainly... Most in our audience have been of, of the mind that at least Ron's philosophical grounding would make him a voluntarist. He is a voluntarist, at least self-proclaimed, and, and his policy seemed to be the best possible way to move towards voluntarism but by, based on his opinion and his understanding of government. But uh, Gary Johnson, not there. How do you make the case that he's more libertarian?
1: Well, I would say around... Um the abortion issue i would say that around the immigration issue uh, that he's probably a little bit more Uh, on the libertarian aspect. Because remember, there's what Ron Paul says on the freedom bus, right? And then there's what Ron Paul has to say to everyone else, right? I mean, and so the sort of voter-facing Ron Paul uh, has some stickiness around some libertarian issues, to my knowledge, and Gary Johnson has uh, less. But, um, uh, you know, the the fundamental thing, of course, is that they both still wanted to find ways to fund government. And neither of them uh, are making the exquisitely simple moral case that taxation is force, that printing money is theft and counterfeiting that borrowing money is enslaving the unborn which even the ancient slavers had the civility to not do and so uh, they're not able to make the moral case and therefore they have to try and make some sort of pragmatic cause and effect argument you know well the economy will be better off well no it won't not for a whole bunch of people If if you got a real free market tomorrow probably a third of the population would fall into an economic hole that may, they may spend years or forever or never trying to get out of. So because they can't make that fundamental moral argument to the general population that we have turned into a blood-soaked uh, ping-pong pole ball playing with eyeballs, team of uh, cannibals, uh, turning on each other, attempting to turn the the swords and guns of the state on each other, and selling off our children for the sake of a food stamp in the here and now that we've turned into this utterly heinous and cannibalistic society, which has to be stopped because even if you're not religious we can all go with thou shalt not steal Uh, they can't make that fundamental moral argument, so the only argument they can really make is, well, let's return to the past, or let's have a smaller government, let's have more opportunity let's have a slightly better economy, or a much better better economy. These are all arguments from effect, but unfortunately there are so many people who are tied into the government system and have adapted themselves like exquisitely detailed parasites to the existing government system, that attempting to change it is going to create howls of protest, like, you know, firing a, um, a, a cannon full of stakes into a vampire convention. So uh, it is just going to be a horrendous change. Nobody should uh, think it's going to be any different. And if we don't have a moral cause with which to make that change, people aren't going to accept it. People will accept incredible suffering for a moral cause they believe in, uh, even if it's not true, you know, like fighting. Uh, Nazis or whatever, right? Uh, but if they don't have a moral cause, then they go for the argument from effect, and the argument from effect basically says I'll get mine however I can. And so neither of them, I think, can consistently make that moral case. And so they're just not going to be enough of a leader to, to change the world the way it needs to be changed.
0: So, I mean, we are paying attention to this because we are of, of the mind, even as anarchists watching this debate, of the belief that it is important, that it is something that affects society, and that there will be uh, some outcome that is significant one way or another. If Obama wins, Going into a second term is different than being in his first term. For if it's Romney, there will be a direction of policy change because he represents a slightly different class of special interest or a different collection of various super class interests that are, have been being able to sponsor him and get behind him. Do you think that there's anything we have to look forward to as libertarians in in one way or in one outcome or the other? Is there someone like we should we should at least be hoping for like if if even if it's on the scale of well well if Romney's president then maybe the left will wake up and we'll have an anti-war movement again even though there will probably be less people dying overseas
1: well i mean historically entitlement spending goes up faster under republicans than it does under democrats so if you want a bigger government vote romney i mean that's the way it goes historically um, there has been the 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 belief um, sorry go go ahead.
0: ahead Because they get away with more, think they can get away with more big government when it sounds like small government, and people buy
1: that rhetoric. Yeah, and also because the the Democrats are in opposition and don't fight them, right? I mean, so um, so you know the government's gonna the government has a logical in and of itself. I mean, the the political leaders are like a little tiny ant writing that. Big giant honking stone ball at the beginning of Indiana Jones. You know, they, they can lean one way or the other, but it going to make a whole bit of difference. The logic of the system is unfolding based upon contracts, decisions, and and uh, everything that was set up generations ago. It's just on its last legs, rolling its way forward. You know, eight minutes before Jerry Garcia dies, it doesn't really matter if you ask him to put down that third cheeseburger. You know, he was done years ago, right? It's just a matter of waiting, uh, and so. Uh, But the one thing that will happen if Romney gets in is because we live in this bizarre, uh, propagandized planet world where language is just another government program. People believe somehow that when Romney talks about the free market, that Romney is involved in, associated with, or understands the free market at all, which he doesn't. And so what happens is because people believe the rhetoric... I don't want anybody associated with the free market or or with smaller government or anything. I don't want anyone like that anywhere near the reins of power when uh, the horse jumps off the cliff, or rather. it's well,
0: are you are you saying that 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 Romney doesn't understand it, or that he's that he understands it and he's he's playing it? Because that's an important distinction. I've, and I've, I've, there might be limits to his understanding, certainly, but I think for the for the most part, he knows what he's doing. Like he's not. He's
1: not unintelligent. Well, I, I mean, intelligence doesn't have anything to do with it. I mean, uh, because it's really around fundamental principles. Anybody who the free, understood the free market would not have introduced Ob- uh, Obamacare to Massachusetts.
0: Well, a politician who understood uh, understands how to pervert the free market in his own interest.
1: But. Oh, okay. So, like, you mean he understands the free market the way that a torturer understands the human nervous system? Yeah, okay. But right. That's, exactly. That's not exactly what we want in Bauer, right? Bauer, right? But no, because when 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 the the system really goes to hell in a handbasket, um, we don't want any of the Republicans anywhere near the presidency. Because even though they do grow government faster than than the Democrats in many ways, and even though Romney has clearly stated that he wants to increase the goddamn military budget. I mean, this man is is a psychopath. I mean, he's just. I mean, this is evil. I mean, uh, he is just a pretty breathing fire breathing Ken doll of uh, you know blandness and evil. And so uh, he wants to increase the America America's military military budget. I mean, and so just don't have anybody associated with the free market near the rain, market near the reins of power, because. You know what what did they say what do they still say about George Bush? Oh, you see the financial crisis occurred because there was all this deregulation under George Bush and he was such a free market and he just said the banks should all regulate themselves and Jesus, God in heaven! They're still talking about the free market being responsible for the 1929 crash and socialism and war saving capitalism. Yeah, so let's like, I mean, let's not give them any more ammo for these, you know, horrifying fairy tales they use to choke the living crap out of the next generation. So, uh, I, you know, I mean, in, I don't really think it matters in any practical sense who wins, but from a allegory fairy tale building sense, it has some small impact. I mean, anyone who believes in the process after we went from George Bush to Obama, I mean, I made this podcast in a video in 2008 just saying, okay, look, we have about as big a change as you could possibly get. You know, a guy who came from a single mom in Kenya and a guy who was raised in the political oligarchy hot and center soul of the Death Star uh, um, empire, and, you know, a guy who's more on the left and anti-colonial, and a guy who's more on the right and supposedly pro-free market, a guy whose um, leading influences were communists and, and heavy-duty socialists, and another guy whose leading influences were Ronald Reagan and Hayek and so on. We have a massive change in the presidency between Bush and Obama. You couldn't, there's never been a bigger change, to my knowledge, in any political system ever throughout history than between Bush and Obama. And what changed?
0: Chad, do you have a question for Stohan? No, 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 no. Eddie? I wanted to ask Stefan, but, you know, Adam had mentioned, um, you know, possibly the anti-war movement being re-energized if Romney is put into office. Now, wouldn't that be a better thing? I mean, we maybe we would end up seeing less suffering in the Middle East.
1: Well, but if you want want the anti-war movement to be energized, then you need to drive government spending as quickly as possible. I mean, the anti-war movement is energized when the government runs out of money and has to close its bases. This is what happens to all empires. Look at uh, England after the Second World War, closed down the whole empire. If you look at Russia after the fall of communism, closed down the whole empire. What freed the average Roman citizen from about two decades worth of, of being conscripted into a hellish army with no antibiotics? The Roman Empire ran out of money. And so the anti-war movement isn't going to mean dipshit nothing. I mean, it's a fart in the wind. The anti-war movement is, (laughs) anti-war movement, so to speak, is only going to happen when the American Empire runs out of money. I mean, this is Al Qaeda's plan. Is is what they've argued for. They did it to Russia and freed up Eastern Europe, and they're going to do it. They're doing it again to America, and they're going to uh, free up all of the areas where America currently has its. Uh, you know, a horrible squid soaked uh, hegemony, so uh, the anti-war movement people can go out and protest all they want. doesn't matter. I mean, the biggest anti-war movement uh, in the world occurred uh, at the beginning of the Iraq war, and it didn't mean a damn thing. The empire will end when the money runs out to pay the soldiers, and that's all that history teaches.
0: So you're saying it's, this goes back to you can protest all you want as long as you can pay your taxes. As long as the empire can fund itself, as long as they can print money, as long as they can borrow money, as long as they can put money behind war, there will be conflict.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Allie? Uh Someone, ch- someone from, the, from the chat asked, uh, so what you're saying, Stefan, is elect Republicans so they can run up the debt and the left will complain.
1: <laughs> well... Um, <laughs> I, you know maybe that person missed the opening statement about voting as a whole um, but no don't don't vote you know uh, it's a stockholm syndrome it's it's begging a god that doesn't exist for a mercy that will never come don't uh, don't vote because it is a system of coercion. It's not immoral to vote. You're not going out there shooting someone, but you are involving yourself in a system of coercion. And you are begging mm-hmm. against all historical evidence and all moral inevitability. You are begging sociopaths, psychopaths, and torturers to give you a break. Well, you know what happens when you show somebody who's really cruel what you want? They will use it against you. Uh, if you want freedom, at least you can get an hour's worth of freedom by not going to vote. But don't show them that you expect it to come through them. They will simply use that. So people say, well, we want to be free of the government. And the Republicans are like, ooh, okay, they want to be free of the government. Fantastic. Let's talk about smaller government. And that way, they will come and support us uh, in wanting to be free of government, right? Don't show them your needs. I mean, it's like showing to a torturer, you know, it really hurts when you tap right here. You know, that's the thing that hurts me the most. So what's he going to do? It's like, oh, okay, well, I guess I know where to tap. I mean, just don't show them your need. Don't get exposed. Uh, don't show your, 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 uh, your preferences to these, these people. Um, you know, we're just going to have to grit our teeth and lay the foundations for what comes next.
0: And what is that? Freedom! Um, <laughs>
1: well, you know, what comes next is, uh, you know, like any addict, if you don't learn through reason, you have to learn through experience. If, you, you know, if the intervention doesn't work uh, and you're a, you know, a, a drug-gambling sex addict or whatever, then, yeah, you just have to wake up with three bodies and a hooker's panties on your head in a ditch outside Vegas not knowing where the hell you are. And then maybe you'll say, hmm, maybe I should lay off the, you know, the blow and gambling and and hookers or whatever. So, you know, we have a society that has steadfastly refused to listen to reason. And so, unfortunately, they're going to have to be clubbed by the cudgels of experience. And then they'll shake their heads and, uh, you know, cooler and more reasonable heads will prevail.
0: You don't think that's going to be for the average human being a, a more peaceful transition as the state is just slowly rendered obsolete, maybe chunk by chunk? You know, we look forward technologically and see what's coming. We're about to see the 3D printer revolution. So many exponential growth curves of human development are about to, you know, start getting to the vertical asymptote. You don't think that's going to be a more powerful force than than even any conscientious direction of society in reaction to a particularly bad experience with government? Well,
1: governments don't tend to... Slowly get smaller right they 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 're like pimples <laughs> they grow and they pop. and so uh, they tend not to to shrink in in a slow uh, period i mean there 's some managed right so Canada cut like twenty percent of its government in the 90s because it was just paying forty cents on the dollar uh, in, in national debt just on interest so there is some managed stuff that 's not the case in America because you have the the military industrial complex and you have the prison industrial complex and you have the um, the medical state complex. So there's a lot of stuff that's, that's different. But, uh, you know, it's important to remember that society is not the government, right? We all, we all understand this. The society is the opposite of government. The government is the Society is that which is voluntary and chosen, and the government is that which is enforced and, and, and violent. But I repeat myself. But um, uh, remember, uh, over a third of the world's economy operates outside of governments. Right a government is just it's, it's just half the zoo, and the rest of it is you know the, the zoo, half the zoo is cages and the other half of the zoo is just a forest you can do whatever you want so to speak and so you know when you're looking at at least a third and some estimates go even higher than that at least a third of the world's economy is just people doing their thing outside of regulations outside of taxation outside of government control outside of government courts and prisons and 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 contracts and punishments and torts and all that and suing and so the society is already laying the foundations for statelessness by existing in, to, to a large degree, statelessness already. And so um, it's not like there'll be nothing to, to there'll be nothing there if the government shrinks considerably. It's all those parallel mechanisms will simply, um, you know, rush in to take their place. Right? If you if you, you grab a yank a big rock out of the water, it's not like the water continues to go around the hole, right? I mean, something rushes in to fill it, and there's lots of stuff already there that's been refined for many decades and fine-tuned for many decades, and is working beautifully. That can come in and deal with these uh, with these uh, receding state functions.
0: Now, we're very excited to be having you back on. Oh, <laughs> that's my good. lost good sound mind. there. What was the sound lagging, or I saw his mouth is <sighs> moving and this and the sound stopped, and then the sound came on.
1: Anyway, Stephane, I, I've been we're really on that excited.
0: <laughs> What all right? So we're having a few connection issues here, but uh, I just want to say we um. He's fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Stefan. Maybe we won't have him back on on Friday. <laughs> no, Stefan, we're very excited to have you back on Friday. And there's a way that you have of, of presenting these issues that, that really uh, shows uh, an incredible intellectual rigor. And, and having thought things out, and, and, and in doing so, you really invite people to ask the questions. And, and, and most of us in the room are, are familiar with your work, and I think a number of people in our audience are as well. But when you come back on Friday, I think well, Ali here, who's, who's our new co-host, wanted to get into universally preferable behavior, which is the, really the foundational work. I mean, you're in, an incredible electronic book. It's available for free, freedomainradio.com. How is it that that, that is able to, to give you such a, a framework to develop everything else in the, in the way that you look at the world as a libertarian?
1: Was that just a question for me or a general comment?
0: well no how do you well, well, well give us a tease for what we're going to be talking about Friday oh, aside yeah. from aside from the one other request we have from the chat room because someone wanted to call you out a- along a- along the lines as as, uh, as I got to do a few months ago uh, around the subject of martial arts oh. yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan Molyneux versus Kokesh cage match coming up this Friday Don't via Skype
1: beat, <laughs> I'm going to show you I only have one app but I will show you I will show you that app <laughs> um, okay so as far as ethics go look I mean historically society has organized itself around getting people to do good stuff, uh, to be moral, to be good, uh, either through threatening them with jail or threatening them with hell uh, or promising them heaven or letting them not be in jail or whatever. And that sucks. That's a terrible, terrible way of getting people to be good. And so, in the absence of a Really rigorous and solid philosophical justification for virtue, for goodness, for doing all that tasty crumpets of ethical goodness, we have to fall back on just pointing guns at people or pretending we're going to hurl them down into the everlasting pits of hell. So, of course, I've spent many years working on a theory of ethics that can be used to make the case irrevocably and universally and irrefutably uh, for. Uh, ethics and um, if people, of course, accept and uh, understand this, then we have a scientific method for ethics. And once you have a scientific method, you don't need religious wars uh, anymore. And fundamentally, if you count the state as another kind of religion, which it is, all ethics has been religious warfare throughout history. We don't have a scientific method for ethics yet. I've been working like hell on that. I think it stood up pretty well. I'll be happy to talk about it on Friday. That ends the religious warfare and moves us to an age uh, of reason, I
0: hope. Well, you still need to get a few more people to read it for it to have that effect, but we'll get <laughs> there. To, and, to it's, do, man. That, and it's it, that's typical. <laughs> That's the tipping point. Because two people will read it, and then they'll tell two other people to read it, and then they'll tell two other people to read it. And next thing you know, all of these problems will be perfectly solved if we could all just figure out morality the way that Stefan Molyneux has. Stefan, thank you so much for joining us. The website is freedomainradio.com. Please check it out, and if you'd like to, if you're in the audience and you have the time to to listen to or read one of his books before Friday, Universally Preferable Behavior is a bit of a heavy read to get into off the bat. Check out his, his YouTube YouTube channel for more of an introduction: YouTube.com/slash/stepbot s t e f b o t. Search by by most viewed. He puts out a regular routine of, of really wonderful uh, news commentary and interviews as well. But his his top viewed videos are his classics. They're the ones that that really lay out the philosophical framework, the sunset of the state, the That's story of your enslavement, the story of your unenslavement, and it's it's a, it's a beautiful story, isn't it?
1: Commentary's coming documentary is coming
0: yes i got to i got to help uh consult just a little bit but i really need to to i'm really excited to see what comes out of this but you know what stefan's also working on a movie script he's like oh you've reminded me of that other project that i've shelved for the documentary with but i'm really excited to see more creative work from from stefan in the future As as now that i I guess i don't know are, are you are you have you written all the philosophy books you can
1: No, no, not not necessarily, but um, uh, I think the major ones are are behind me or under my belt, but uh, uh, there's always more work to be doing. I'm working on a book on parenting as well um, uh, because I think that's a very important aspect of life to apply philosophy to and the non-aggression principle, so lots of good stuff coming, I hope.
0: Absolutely, and we'll get into the critical role of of peaceful or or non-violent parenting as well when you have you back on Friday, and we'll have to explain exactly why. And I'm with you here, that by the time we have peaceful parenting, we will have a, a voluntary society with, within, within the next generation uh, if, if we don't have it sooner from technology. So it's very exciting to see what role that will play in this development. Stefan, thank you so much for, having, for, uh, for joining us, and we'll have you back on Friday.
1: Thanks. See you Friday. Have a great debate, everyone, and uh, thanks for the invitation. <laughs>